Bild, that song we all know and love. Blau und weiß ein Leben lang. Hallo meine Lieben, wie geht's? Willkommen zum Das Einziger Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks. Officially the world's only English Schalke Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Thank you for tuning back to our show. Schalke fans are some of the greatest fans in the world, many of whom speak English. This pod aims to bring you the latest from the Royal Blues, talk to the English-speaking fans of the club and get their point of view across, and bring you game highlights. We'll also pick out articles on the club and talk a little bit about them. I don't do this alone, and joining me all the way from Chicago, the ukulele playing co-host Jack Mangan. How we doing, Jack? Doing well. Here we are. Part two. Part the two. Redo. <laughs> we, uh, we tried to bring you all, our fine listeners, uh, this last night. We ran into some mishaps, uh, which is unfortunate for you because, honestly, easily the best podcast we've ever done. Probably top ten of any podcast ever recorded all time. Um, so that sucks that you don't get to hear that, but and we obviously will fail to live up to last night's uh, masterpiece. Yeah, you know, in the in the famous soccer saying, uh, "Form is temporary, class is permanent." And unfortunately, our class is not as good as our form was last we have night. Santo pod, the Santo class. I mean, I don't know if we're that bad. That's pretty harsh. <laughs> well, we'll let's wait till it uh, till the pod gets out, then we'll find out. Yeah, we'll see. You guys can give us feedback on that, I guess. But here we go. Let's get into it. Yeah, uh, last week, you know, we were coming off a high personally as we gave out the Henrunda Awards, uh, previewed the Rook Runda and even Leipzig, uh, respectively. But that thorn in our side, Timo Werner, uh, spoiled the party for us. Um, I usually try to take the high road on these, but uh, I'm a little bit bitter because I thought two of the goals were deflected, obviously, off of Naldo, and then there was an offside goal, an offside goal that I thought happened. Uh, what's your initial take from the, the, the game from yesterday? Uh, certainly not the way we wanted to start the second half of the season. Um, disappointing result for sure, especially the way the game shook out because it was a pretty tight affair for most of it. And then they just kind of exploded, um, within a couple minutes in the second half and we'll get to that. But, um, yeah, you know, uh, the, the good news is that we haven't had too many of these. Schalke had a pretty long unbeaten streak. What was it 13 games? Or something along those lines, dating back to September. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this is the first time in a while we've had to talk about a loss, and hopefully uh, we'll be able to go uh, for another few games at least before we uh, have one of these as well. Yeah. Um. So, you know, let's let's get into this, into this, the meat of this podcast, uh, if you will. Uh, we're gonna for the Schalke rundown here. We're gonna do uh, the Leipzig recap, obviously. Uh, give our reaction. Because uh, there's plenty of that, and then we're going to preview the Hanover match after uh, afterwards. Uh, so, what do you say, Jack? Let's take it away. Absolutely. All right, Schalke entered the Rook Runda in second position, two points ahead of RB Leipzig coming into this one. Two Champions League teams, or two Champions League contenders, I should say, uh, looking to start off the second half of the season with a statement performance. It was young Tedesco who had the upper hand in the first matchup. Schalke entered this matchup, just like you said, on a 13-game unbeaten streak. Uh, on the on the flip side, Leipzig were looking for their first league win since uh, November, I believe. The news dominating the headlines in this one was that Emil Forsberg was missing missing the game. Timo Werner was not starting due to an illness, and Yusuf Poulsen was, would also start on the bench. So that and the news that Liverpool supposedly, I, push, I say that in, in, in quotations, uh, had acquired the uber-talented Naby Keita. Shaka fun, fans, they were wondering, uh, would he even play in this game? Jack, uh, we found out really quick that the answer to this one was uh, he did start. <laughs> yeah, he was there for sure. 
Uh, there's no no way to make a mistake about that. He was pretty noticeable. Uh, you know, yeah, pregame, uh, we were, I think, pretty excited to, to see some of their uh, more players with more name recognition, some of their bigger players uh, out of the starting lineup. Um, but there's quality all over this team. It's not just those guys. So, um, you know, it wasn't going to be a cakewalk, you know, even with Timo Werner and, and, and the gang out, uh, out of the starting lineup. And, of course, he was on the bench, and we ended up seeing plenty of him anyway. Yeah, um, and, you know, when I saw the lineup and I saw that Keita was, in fact, in there, my initial thought was, okay, uh, they really got one of their big guns uh, starting in this game, and that'd be Keita. So, really, in my eyes, Tedesco, all he really had to do was get the guys to some way – Stop him from doing what he can do, and then you should probably win the game if you if you if you if you do this tactically right. You know, put him out of the game somehow. Uh, get have someone covering him at all times. Then the rest of it should be fairly fairly easy, and you should walk away with a win. Apparently, Tedesco didn't get that memo. <laughs> this guy was uh, easily the best player of the first half, at least. Uh, is, that, is that a fair assessment, right there? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, he. He, I mean, he was dominant. He was all over the place in, in the first half. We really struggled to to deal with him. Um, and yeah, you know, you would have hoped to uh, see Tedesco try to come up with something to to limit him in the way that Hausen uh, did with with Max Meyer, who you know had a decent game regardless. But they were, you know, RB Leipzig, for instance, were seemingly putting four or five guys around him in his circle at like at all times, trying yeah. to limit his, yeah. you know, him receiving passes and you know his outlets and that kind of thing. And um, unfortunately, Keita seemed to have kind of the freedom of the whole pitch. And, uh, you know, Tedesco has shown in the past that he does not react well when a team throws a last-minute tactical wrench. And so maybe maybe the uh, RB Leipzig manager, you know, waited until the last minute to, to unveil, unveil that Keita was in the lineup. Maybe he decided the last minute to do it. I know in the Dortmund game, Peter Bosch, he, last minute he made a, made a change, and Tedesco obviously couldn't react in the beginning. In the second half, obviously we did, but in the first half he was a little taken aback, and it showed in how the team played. So I guess I guess it's something hopefully he can get better at. But there's another thing I noticed in this game, and I, for a second I thought that Eminem was playing for Schalke. Uh, Amin Herrett was sporting the bleach blonde hairdo. Did you did you see that? I did. Uh, quite the quite the look. I don't know if I could pull that off. I don't even, I don't think I would even try. But uh, so I take it you never you never tried that. No, I, I I definitely haven't. I'm gonna leave the uh, the crazy hairdos to to the soccer players. Uh, you know, they make enough money where I don't think they care <laughs> if anyone criticizes them. They have other things going on in their life. So, uh, yeah, I, I can't I can't imagine that that helps his win resistance. But he's pretty fast, even regardless. So, and, you know, Kevin Campbell, <laughs> one of the other fastest players on the pitch. Kevin Campbell was rocking a similar do. Yeah, yeah, he was. If he was looking to uh, blend in a little bit more, I think that's not the way to do it. I think he'll stand out just a little bit more. I don't think he needs that to stand out. Uh, <laughs> no, he's no. a pretty eye-catching player as it is. I know. And uh, as a tip for all you guys listening, if you ever try to bleach your own hair, uh, make sure you know what you're doing because I did mine and it became orange like Bozo the Clown. If you don't know who he is, Google that. Was was that a re- was that a recent thing for you? <laughs> it was actually yesterday. No, no, that no, wasn't. It was in high school. So, so yeah, know, many, many, yeah, yesterday. <laughs> so here's a fun fact for you, Jack. Uh, did you know that we got Alessandro Schopp from Nuremberg as well, you know, uh, other than Bergstaller and now Tuchert? You know what? Uh, when you mentioned that yesterday when we were recording the podcast for the first time, <laughs> that had slipped my mind. But, yes, I was aware of that now um, that we, that we that. spoke about it yesterday. Um, yeah, I mean. You're so well read. <laughs> yeah, quite the that, – that's that short-term memory for you. Uh, that's why they pay me the big bucks. Um, we have quite the pipeline 
from Nuremberg right now, don't we? You know, uh, you know, Bergstaller and, uh, you know, the new signing Twikert and, uh, Shuff as well. And, uh, it's, yeah, nice to be, it's nice to be on the other end of things for once. Usually people are oh, taking yeah, I mean, it really players. is. Certainly Schalke fans will know how it feels to, um, you know, lose some of your more promising players to bigger clubs. So I, I feel for Nuremberg in that extent, and hopefully they don't present us too badly for that. I'm sure they do. <laughs> well, look how we look how we resent the teams that that do it to us, you know. So, well, here's the thing: I think we've bought most of those players, and Schalke has a problem with being able to sell their players as opposed to just being a charity club for the rest of Europe, um, and and giving their talents away for free. Well, far maybe too often. maybe with this Uth signing, we can start taking players from Hoffenheim for free, huh? How about that? That'd be nice. And, you know, we get, we got Naldo. For, we for got Naldo, yeah, as well, out of he, free. He's been one of the best free signings we ever had. Although he's you know 35, so I don't know how much money. Wolfsburg would be able to get for him anyway, but to be fair, he was one of the best uh, defenders in all of Bundesliga in the Hinrunde. So, hey, oh, he was phenomenal in the first half. He was my player of the year. If you listen to the podcast, yeah, um, yeah, let me put out what we talked about our Hinrunde awards. I, I had him as my Schalke's player of the first half, and uh, yeah, he's been he's been incredible. Unfortunately, that uh, wasn't entirely the case. No, in this one, yeah, let's get into that. Um, well. The lineups for this one, for at least for Schalke, and um, obviously the captain, Ralph Fairman, was a net. In the back, we actually had Benjamin Stambouli starting this one with Naldo and Matija Nastasic. In the midfield, Daniel Calagiri with Alessandro Schoff that we just mentioned, Max Meyer, Amin Harit, and Bastian Ochipka. Up top, we had Guido Bergstaller and Franco Di Santo. Why is that a surprise at this point? I mean, it's kind of just inevitable. It seems like there's. I mean, but look I, who we got in the so far in January. You think? I mean, I guess it's too early to put them in the starting lineup. But oh, man, Gabriel Bol, Briel and Bolo, maybe he's not ready yet. I guess I don't know. I mean, I Tedesco, I, he hasn't steered us wrong yet, so I, I gotta have some faith in him. But man, yeah, Franco de Santo. I mean, I, I'm just gonna go ahead and get my Franco de Santo rant get out, out of the way. way, out of the out of the way early, <laughs> and then hopefully, I, I, and, and then I'll try to you know just analyze the rest of the game objectively after that. So, um, you know, as we talked about ad, ad nauseum on this podcast, I, I'm not a fan of Frank. Odys- I mean, I'm sure he's a great guy, and there's some things that he does in terms of his work rate and other things that I, that I appreciate. Um, but I don't understand why he's starting. He scored two goals all season. He doesn't do a whole lot else that really justifies his presence out there. Um, there were some rumors going around after this match, actually, that Celtic is interested in uh, – you know, uh, getting his services as sort of a replacement for Moussa Dembele, and it seemed as though the majority of the uh, the opinion of Celtic fans was that they have they don't want him either. I mean, I, I was seeing Celtic <laughs> fans on, on Twitter saying, "Why on earth would we want this guy? His goal scoring record speaks for itself. There's no possible reason why we would want him to come here." And I don't understand why we are starting a player who a club like Celtic doesn't even want. Um, you know, and, and obviously in the first half, little thin up there. I mean, who are you going to play? Fabian Reza? I mean, yeah, come on. that's true. So, I that's mean, true. yeah, but, and, you know, guys like Mbolo are working their way back trying to get fit. So I understand that. But, you know, at this point in the season, Mbolo's had a number of matches under his belt now. He's had the winter break as well. He should be fit by now. And I think he is. Um, and he's somebody that should, I think, be in the starting lineup up top. Hopefully we see. You know, the new signing Twiker get in there as well. Um, you know, and something else that I just, you know, want to touch upon. It's not just that he's not scoring goals. It's that I don't even think he fits the system to some extent. You look at, this is a long Frank Santo rant, by the way. Good Lord. Um, <laughs> but you look at some of the things Schalke, I mean, so for instance, not so much in the final third, but in transitional play, 
when Schalke is is trying to reach the final third, a lot of times the strikers get wide to receive the ball in wide areas. Right, you know, right, opens exactly. up space in the middle of the park for some of those midfielders to make some bombing runs forward, and you know, add players to that. You know, try to overload some things, right? And Franco DeSanto, you saw this. I think it happened. There was one noticeable example around uh, around the thirty second minute or so. You can go check that out. But it happened a couple different times, and it happens pretty much every game. Franco DeSanto picked up this ball, and we had an opportunity to break. And the second he gets it, you know, it's not going anywhere. Because he doesn't have the pace to get around somebody, you know, on the outside, and he doesn't have the dribbling ability, I think, to really beat anyone one on one. And you can't tell me that a player like Mbolo would not be better suited um, in those situations. And you know, it, to the extent that Schalke struggles to break down opponents in the final third, as it is, I think we're probably more likely to score. Um, I mean, obviously, we score so many set piece goals and everything, but outside of that, I think we're more likely to score, you know, on the counter than we are. You know, when we're parked having possession in the final third. And I think Mbolo just gives you so much more in that regard. And I really hope we see him in the starting lineup going forward. I'm, I've been happy with his cameos, but I want more of him. No, and I couldn't agree more. And I think uh, as a team, we, we play better as a counter as opposed to trying to possess it in an offensive end and try to break down the defense because clearly we're not good at that right now. Uh, but on the counters, when we're very lethal with our speedsters going up the, up the pitch, minus Cicento. But, you know, looking on the bench, who we had possibly that could come into the game. New man Marco Piazza was on the bench, yeah. uh, along with Tilo Carrer, uh, our man Weston McKinney, Nabil Mentaleb, Nabil Mentaleb, Nabil Bentaleb. Man, sorry. third time's a charm. Third time is a charm, man. Uh, Yevon Konoplyanka and the guy we just talked about, Briel Ambolo. I didn't have that. I didn't have this much trouble with Bentaleb's last Bentaleb's name last night. I'm all, there it is again. <sighs> well, at least he didn't play in this game. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I told you guys last last night's podcast was just incredible. It was I mean anyway, go ahead. Anyway, <laughs> uh well let's get into the game. Uh Shaka, they started quickly. Uh they came close several times. Uh they had a they had a very good opportunity just what 30 seconds in Jack? Yeah, you know, Harit drawing a tackle as he does the most fouled player in the Bundesliga. Um so right off the bat, you know, making things happen and definitely an aggressive start and that's something I was certainly excited to see. I, w- I was pleased to see that. Schalke is very much um, a second-half team, particularly recently. I think it was something along the lines of 12 of their last 14 goals had come after halftime. So we, we right. get off to slow starts quite a bit. So that was that was promising to see. But ultimately, uh, nothing came of that in the first half. No, yeah, it was definitely prom- – it looked promising for sure. I mean, we had not seen uh, Schalke get out that quickly at all this season yet. So there was some hope that maybe 2018 was going to bring us something different, on, uh, at least on the offensive end. And uh, as this game goes on, you, we're, you're going to find out that every, obviously everyone knows that nothing came about other than a set-piece goal. I want to talk about a little bit about the 19th minute. There was a, a tough play between uh, Benjamin Stambouli on Nabi Keita. Uh, it was in the box, and I know a lot of people on Twitter, probably mostly Leipzig fans, they were, they were claiming that it was a penalty. What did you make of that? Yeah, I don't think so. Um, I think if it would have been called a penalty, it would have been a pretty harsh call from Schalke's point yeah. of view. I mean, there was contact there, but uh, it's not like he tripped him, and he didn't you know, extend his arms out and shove him in any direction. It was really just kind of more like shoulder-to-shoulder contact, two guys kind of you know bumping into each other in the box, and... I don't think there was enough there for a penalty, and I, you know, I'm glad it was it was a no call. I thought it was just you know a good strong defensive play. Yeah, Benjamin Stambouli actually kind of started this game out pretty well defensively, like that he play, did. like you said, and boxing out guys in his body the the correct way. Um, but we'll get to a little bit in a couple in a couple minutes that that kind of changed uh, complete 180. Um, yeah, just a bit, just a little bit. Actually, 
I want to just get to it right now. I might as well get out of the way. In the 36th minute, that man, Benjamin Stambouli, uh, stupid foul on John Kevin Augustine in the box. That was a no-brainer penalty for me, Jack. Um, I don't know what he was thinking. He got all calf on that one. Uh, there was no, it wasn't even close to the ball. It, it really wasn't close at all. Yeah, it was a pretty blatant penalty. Um, and it's not his first time that somebody's given up a penalty isn't. in the he's, box he's or done really, a stupid penalty in general. Yeah, he's really had a run in recent games of some really bad tackles in the box. And I don't know why because he doesn't seem to be a player that lacks discipline in other areas of the pitch. It's not like you're seeing him um, you know, pick up yellow cards you know, in midfield or, or elsewhere. It really seems to be only when he's under pressure in the box that he does these, but uh, it's been happening far too often for him. And, and you know, that's one of the reasons why uh, you know, some people are are calling for Tilo Karabek there, who's made his, his fair shakes, uh, share yeah, of mistakes yeah. as well. But it's hard to be too. I mean, Stambouli brings a lot to the table, um, particularly in terms of um, you know calm, composed possession at the back. And like you said, he made a number of great defensive plays early. You know, on crowding people out. You know, kind of down that that right hand side. Um, but you just you can't have that. You can't give up cheap opportunities. Um, in that way, as we've talked about a number of times, I don't think Schalke is, a, you know, a good enough team offensively to make up for these sort of defensive lapses, particularly yeah. ones where you're just gifting them goals. And the good teams um, will make us pay every time. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I will say in his defense in this situation is that I think, I think Nastasic was way out of position on that counter. Yeah, he um, was. And, and as a result, there was, you know, it, it put Stambouli in a bad position. It was way too easy of a pass into Augustin to, um, you know, put him in a position to score. So, and that being out of position was a theme, a recurring theme in this match, unfortunately. But um, even so, you, you can't do that if you're Stambouli. And I get it. I mean, he's he's a midfielder by trade, and he's trying to learn this new position. And he's doing it fairly well. He's learning it really quickly. But it's still that discipline at the end. I mean, yeah, it, go, it mean, goes from being brilliant on one end to the other end. He has these moments of, you know, like like I said, he, one one moment he's brilliant on the offensive end or just in general, and then all of a sudden he does something stupid like this. He needs to get a little bit more consistent. I'd almost rather him give up some of this brilliance in the front to eke out some of these penalties that he's given away in the back. Almost. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. It's just, it's hard to get excited about him back there. You, you want to, and there, there, there's moments where you're like, oh wow, that was a great play. Maybe he can pull this off, and then he just does something like that, and it's really you know disappointing. It's been happening too much. Yeah, yeah. Well, the guy he fouled, Augustine, uh, he stepped up to take the penalty, but then this would happen. They've not played well, but they have a chance to take the lead. It's Augusta, saved by Fairman. Superb goalkeeping. And Leipzig are held at bay. You said it, Piane, one of the best goalkeepers in the Bundesliga, and the captain comes up big. Saved by Ralph Fahrman. Uh The rebound would come out and the Stasage would clear it away. And every Schalke fan had to be screaming in joy at this point. Uh, that game, that gave us a little bit of optimism at that point, did it not, Jack? It did. It really did. Um, I was really upset that we gave away that cheap of an opportunity. And it was a very clutch save by Fairman. Although, to be fair, it was not a great penalty for August. It was no, kind, it was of, it, kind of in center. no man's land, sort of in that middle right portion of the goal. It wasn't all the way into the corner. It wasn't down the middle. Um, so it was, you know, it wasn't terribly difficult. I mean, Fairman guessed correctly, and he's probably going to save it after that. And <laughs> to be, to be honest, he kind of came off his line a little bit, didn't he? He, that's a savvy veteran made, move right there. It, it was, is. yeah. But uh, luckily, that wasn't called back or anything because he was a number of feet forward. But uh, yeah, clutch save for sure. 
I think uh, Ralph Fairman obviously listens to our, our pod, especially the Henrinda Awards. Because um, you know, last week we were just talking about how underrated Ralph Fairman is in, in, in European soccer. And boy, did our captain deliver. Um, he's, he's easily... If, Performances like this is what what make what we notice as Chaka fans, but other people may not get to see. But if he keeps doing stuff, saves like these, uh, people will start noticing a little quickly. Uh, unfortunately, there's like you said last week, there's just unfortunately a stable of goalkeepers in the, for yeah. Germany that he'll never make that lineup. But um, he's a he's a he's a gem. If he was a different nationality other than you know German, he I think he'd be starting for for most national teams in in the world, and he certainly certainly makes us look good when we uh, you know give him some props, and then he comes up and comes up with a big defensive performance for us. So uh, always good to see. Uh, you know, and I feel, I mean, whenever there's a penalty, obviously it's kind of a crapshoot, but I feel pretty confident, I think, when he's back there that we have a decent chance of, of saving it. He has a he has a decent record at that. Yeah, and he's good at playing big. Um, not many goaltenders, even goaltenders that are big, uh, don't tend to, you know, block the block the net like he can do, especially like on one-on-ones. He seems <laughs> well, it helps when you come off your line and cut down the angle as much as he did there. But This is true. This is very true. <laughs> uh, you know, normally when and when, when you get a play like this, uh, a save penalty in this instance, usually the team that, that saves it or gets the break, they end up going down the field and, and capitalizing on, on the other team's mistake. Schalke, they just, we couldn't take, quite take advantage of the save penalty. And unfortunately for us, just five minutes later, we were made to pay when the best player on the pitch, uh, he did this. To fitness now, here's Keita, it's Nabi Keita! And it was deflected! And Nabi Keita has shut out all the speculation and all of the transfer talk, and he is delivered for Leipzig. A little bit of fortune along the way. Nabi Keita's shot was deflected off our man, Naldo. There was nothing uh, you, me, or Farman could do on that one, uh, and just like that, it was one nothing. Yeah, another unfortunate goal. Not, I mean, not a whole lot that we did wrong on on that play, in in my opinion. I mean, maybe if anything, we didn't get out and close him down and kind of gave him too much space to get that shot off. But I mean, if you watch the replay on that, Fairman had that covered the entire way, and oh, yeah. it just took a nasty deflection off of now that went literally the opposite direction. So, um, kind of a cheap goal to concede lucky for them but certainly not un- undeserved it wasn't against the run of play but you know uh, starting with the penalty and the, the, you know that kind of couple minutes stretch before halftime they really started gaining some momentum um and, and causing us problems and really um kind of running at us aggressively and you know you could tell it was putting us under a lot of pressure it was uh you know it wasn't surprising that we, we ultimately broke yeah uh, i mean Shaka, we're doing well but i mean it's obviously the first 40 minutes of the game that nabi keita is the clearly the best player on the pitch and so you would think at some point Tedesco would say somebody get on him, and the fact that he was left so alone to be just get to take a shot—that's uh, that's the only thing that bugs me about the play. It wasn't a deflection. It wasn't cause obviously Fairman would have had it. You could see by the replay, but um, just that he had so much room to just take a take a shot—that's uh, the only thing that irked me about the whole play. Yeah, it was it was frustrating too because, and this has kind of been a theme in my opinion uh, when it comes to matches against against Leipzig. Um, <sighs> It's one thing if you play against a good opponent and they just flat out beat you. You know, they, they, they string some passes together, tear you apart, and you know, you tip your hat to them and you say, you know, good on you. Yeah. That was, you know, that was a, that was a great goal. You know, whatever you you deserve that. It's another thing when you're making mistakes or you know, getting unfortunate. And I feel like that's happened a lot, and it would happen later in the game as well. But you know, first of all, it's just a stupid tackle by Stan Bowie to give the penalty opportunity. Luckily, we saved that. But that's one. And then Keita gets a deflected goal, and you're like, I mean, come on. And, you know, you look back to some of the matches we played against them last season. Team, I mean, there was the one match, Timo Werner, the phantom 
foul, right? Where he yeah, flops, the dive, the blatant, dive. blatant dive, um, gets the penalty and he, he converts it. Um, and I, I still hate Timo Werner for that, as good as he is. Um, you know, and then later, I think same match later in that match, you know, we score an own goal and it's really difficult to, you can't do that again. I mean, maybe you can get away with that to some extent against, you know, a bottom table side where you might have enough offense to, to withstand that kind of thing, but you can't make those kind of mistakes against, against top tier clubs. And unfortunately that's what happened today. And it's what's, you know, kind of plagued us in the past. So. Yeah. And, you know, I thought for the most part, we played pretty well in the first half, but we would go down yeah, to, in the first half, it would be down one, nothing. So. Uh, that's a little bit disheartening, but, um, you know, Schalke has shown one thing, and that's uh, incredible resilience this season when facing adversary. Sure. There was no reason to panic. I know I wasn't panicking. I, I, I was confident at this point that we could probably get a goal back. Uh, I, I assume that that's how you felt as, as well. Yeah, I mean, that's been um, one of the most encouraging things to see under Tedesco is, is the spirit that this team has, the uh, the mental fortitude, the resiliency, um, you know, everyone playing for each other, not giving up. The heads don't drop when they, they go down. We, you know, we've seen Schalke, um, you know, eke out wins or uh, eke out draws, you know, in, in some of these comeback games that they really had no business, you know, picking up the points that they did. Um, and that's sort of been kind of a hallmark of this team through the first half. And, uh, you know, we were hoping that was going to be the case again. Yeah, um, the second half started pretty well for the Royal Blues. Um, obviously, Tedesco's team talker, Fireman's team talk, it pumped up the guys, and, and it only took 10 minutes to equalize. Just before the goal, uh, Alessandro Schroff was fouled by Keita on the right wing. At this point uh, in the stoppage in play, Tedesco decided to bring in some more offense, trying to get some scoring in, so he, bo- he brought both Briel and Bolo and new man Marco Piazza off the bench to try and to try and level it, obviously. The guys who who would come out would be DeSanto, and um and Alessandro Schoff. Do you agree with the moves? <laughs> well, yeah, you know I agree with at least one of them. There's that Embolo for DeSanto <laughs> sub that I'm so fond of. I would prefer that to be uh, you know, flipped and have Embolo make the start and maybe DeSanto with the cameo. Um, or preferably not the cameo. Um yeah, and then <laughs> Piazza yeah, I, I told myself I wasn't gonna do this again. I apologize. Uh Piazza, yeah, for Schoff. I was obviously um Excited to see what Piazza had to offer. Um, and you can't expect too much of him. It's his first game in, you know, with the team. He hasn't been there that long, but regardless, it was good to see him a cameo, uh, get a cameo and, uh, Shrub had a decent game. Yeah. Overall. Yeah. Um, he was a little bit more central than I expected to be. I don't really know if that's his best position. Uh, I think kind of the, the wing is probably his best. Yeah, for sure. But he, he had a decent account of himself, not a bad performance. And just regardless, it's nice to see him, um, fit enough to be getting a start in the first place. He's kind of, you know, he's been out for a while as well, and he's kind of been working his way back in the last few matches. And um, I don't know, it just, you know, warms the hearts to see him out there and, you know, having a decent game. So, yeah, yeah. So once, once the substitutions were, were made, Daniel Giri, Daniel Calagirium, excuse me, uh, would go on and take that long free kick from the right side. But who else is going to get on the end of it? Calagiri is taking his free kick. With Embolo now a target. That's a great ball in. situations he doesn't wear the captain's armbands but he is a real leader for this Schalke team yet again they've come from behind Leipzig one Schalke one Mr. Clutch himself Naldo scores a beautiful header and Schalke get their 14 set piece goal of the campaign at this point um it looked like we were going to take over the match and win at least in my eyes uh how excited were you when Naldo scored that man Naldo once again um put a body on him please 
I mean, that was that was that was just poor. Def- I mean, there, he's had some goals where he he rises up, uses his height, uses his jumping ability, and, and you expect and, that. And, yeah, and just makes a spectacular play. He was crouching. He was like literally crouching, unmarked, and you know, got received the ball lower than pretty much anyone else on the pitch, and, and headed it into the ground. I don't know what Leipzig was doing there. I don't know how you you know avoid him to that to that extent. He's the tallest piece. guy on the pitch. How do you miss him? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. He's he, maybe he's you know shockingly stealthy. I doubt it. But uh, you know, hey, good play from him. He took full advantage of it, and uh, he's been clutch there. And there it is again. You know that set piece goal. Um, we don't score enough goals from open play. Uh, but it, I mean, it's luckily we have a player like him because if it weren't for him, um, you know, our goal. Where would we little, be? Where would we be? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, I don't know. I think. I think this game is sort of, you know, indicative of the larger trend, which is it's going to be really hard for us, I think, to to secure a Champions League spot. If we can't, if we just can't break down teams from open play, we can't rely on corner kicks, penalties, um, which I think, I think we have the most penalties in the league as well. I mean, that might not continue. That, that could even out over the course of, yeah, uh, over the course of the season. And we saw, you know, we can, we gave up a penalty opportunity today. So, um, yeah, but. Obviously, we'll take it. And at at the time, it was a huge moment in the match. And uh, you know, good on Naldo. He he continues to be one of our one of our leading scorers. I don't know if anyone predicted would be uh, yeah, the thirty five year old center back on a free transfer would be you know that prolific in the box, but he has been. Yeah, and it, it, it's crazy. And uh, you know, I agree with you about we got to find some ways to score other than set pieces. I mean, we start playing these better teams, they're gonna they're gonna do much better defensively on on the set pieces than some of the teams that we've been scoring on. So you can't, you, that can't be your bread and butter. You're going to have to find ways to break down defense and score from open play. Otherwise, you're, you're doomed to not making Europe, uh, not, not, not just Champions League, but you might not make Europa League if you, you keep on like that. So. And you, you would think that would be a point of emphasis for opposing teams, right? Is like, you know, yeah. limit Schalke's set piece opportunities or find a way to guard Naldo. <laughs> yeah. And I would think that would get better over the course. Maybe it won't, you know, and obviously, you know, we start off the second half the way we finished the first half, which is, you know, Naldo scoring a goal in the, in the box. So. Uh, maybe that trend will continue, but I, I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't bank on it. You know. I, you know, I wouldn't. And I'm, I'm with you on that because Naldo's been doing this for how how many years now? He's been for like ten years, uh, and no one's ever figured out how to stop him on a, on a set piece. So maybe just you just can't stop him. You just have to let him be and try to shut down the rest of the attack. I guess. <laughs> yeah, you can't leave him wide open though. There's no, gotta be a, no, there's no. gonna be a middle ground there. He shouldn't be able to crouch down and, and head, get ahead on the goal. You know Absolutely I mean? not. Absolutely not. Well, after that goal, Schalke seemed to be rejuvenated by that play, and they started like trying to take over the game. Clearly, uh, Leipzig's manager Ralph Hasenhutl he had enough of this, and in the 63rd minute, he inserted our uh, kryptonite Timo Werner. Jack, this clearly changed the momentum of the game, did it not? How could it not? It's Timo <sighs> Werner. The kid's insane. I mean, yeah. As much as I despise him for. <laughs> His antics last year. I mean, you gotta you gotta tip your hat to the kid. He he's an incredible talent. I mean, he's he's so fast and he does so many things well. Um, you know, every time he picks up the ball, it's it's scary from a you know a defensive standpoint. I cannot wait for him to tear it up in the World Cup this summer. And I think you and I both agree on that. I think he's gonna probably be a household name. Yeah. By the end by the oh, end yeah. of the summer. Yeah, I mean he's yeah, he might even be in you know contention for a golden boot or something. He, he's really he's really that good. Yeah, they're saying that they haven't had a they haven't had this feeling in the camp. Uh, the, in the, the Manchef camp, uh, since, uh, Thomas Muller was in his, in his, his heyday, having a striker, even, or even Miroslav Klosa, really, having a striker out there that they know they're gonna have to get goals from just cause he can play anywhere, really. This guy, he's a, he's a superstar in the making, and if he's not already, 
And to have a, it's a luxury really to have a guy like that come off the bench. I mean, he's, he's just that good of a player. He can play anywhere, left, right, center, wherever. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> not too many teams can, can say that they can, uh, you know, we certainly be, can't say be, that. be in a match and then bring on Timo Werner and, you know, pulse in players like that. Uh, not to, not to equate the two of them, but, you know, um, that's, that's certainly a nice, nice, I, I compare to more to like DeSanto. No, I'm just kidding. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, it took that guy Werner only all of six minutes to make an impact on this one. Timo Werner gives the bull in the lead. Not sure about you, but uh. To me, Werner looked off sides. Obviously, they didn't go to replay it, and, and the goal stood. But uh, did you did you see an offsides in that one, Jack? Or are, we, are you good with it? Yeah, you know, we, we talked about this last night when we were recording it, and I told you we had to take a second look, and I have an opportunity to do so, and actually haven't. Um, so shame on <laughs> <laughs> so shame on me. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I know that he was. Um, I think it was yeah. I think it was Zabitzer that had to chip into to, to Lamer or whoever yes. who then cro- yes. got it over to. I know when that initial chip came in from Zabitzer, I think Timo Werner was on side then, but apparently you're he saying was. It, was, it was after that. It was the next. So, yeah. So, Zabitzer chipped it over to Leimer, and he was currently on side then. Um, as soon as Leimer was going to make the pass, uh, Werner was in offside position in my eyes. Uh, and then as soon as the ball got released, you see the two Schalke players, two Schalke defenders get, you know, go past him. So then he looked like he was onside then. And then he scored, obviously. Uh, yeah. so to me, it looked like I seen, I seen replay a couple of times already. It's every time I watch, I'm like, eh, it was offsides, but I mean, the goal stands. What are you going to do? You shouldn't let Werner get a chance like that. He's just that good of a player. You know what? And you very, you very well may be right. Um, like I guess I'll have to go back and look at that. I totally won't, but, um, <laughs> no, <I'm just> kidding. <laughs> um, but I'm not, I mean, even if that is the case and, and it was an offside goal, I'm not going to complain about it because no. we deserved to concede a goal with Absolutely. that lazy Absolutely. side foot pass that Naldo. I mean, <sighs> what does he do? I mean, he makes a great defensive play yes. on the left hand side to take that away, you know, and avoid another player. Um, and then he just, you know, makes it kind of like a, almost a no look side foot pass to Harit. Super lazy, gets picked off. Um, you know, and that was all she wrote. And it, it, you, just, you can't do that. It's it, like it, he it, got cocky for making the play before and like, you know what? I can do whatever now. And oh, nope, he gave it away to Sabitzer. Yeah, and maybe with some, you know, some swagger for Schalke getting into the back into the match, you know, with that equalizer, you know, something along yeah, those lines. Yeah. But, you know, you're playing, a, you're playing a top team. You got to be sharper than that. You can't have those mental lapses and those sort of, you know, uh, half-hearted, you know, confident, um, you know, pass attempts and stuff. And this would happen later, you know, on, on the next goal as well. It was, it was, yeah, it was unfortunate to see and uh, certainly um, can't have any complaints when RB Leipzig take advantage of a play like that. Yeah, and uh, that goal, well, this in the insertion of Werner uh, totally jacked up Leipzig's game. They started playing quicker. They looked dangerous in every play. And it, it took only two minutes later, uh, that man again, Timo Werner, He's getting involved. He had the ball, and then he goes and sets up Daniel Ruma for this. Better again. Bit of space for Ruma. Three one. A quick fire double for Leipzig. And are they set to return to winning ways? And Aiden Schalke's long unbeaten run. Ruma smashing in the third. Leipzig three. Schalke one. Daniel Bruma's shot deflects off Naldo once again, and just like that, it's three to one in the blink of an eye. Naldo was having himself a, a bad, bad game involved in all three goals. But again, it's 
he was trying to at least this time he was trying to defend the play. Last time I guess he was trying to get out of the way of the shot. This time it just it, it slightly get off. He got in the way of it, and Fireman obviously couldn't do anything about it. Uh, yeah, so that certainly escalated quickly, didn't it? Um, <laughs> huge momentum shift in the blink of an eye, and I guess that's what you know Timo Werner c- can can do for you. I mean, he, just his presence seemed to imbue the team with confidence, and um, kind of a, you know they went into another gear. But you know, same situation, certainly not as egregious as the Naldo giveaway. But Harit does the same thing, you know, he makes a really kind of ill-advised pass. Um, and then RB Leipzig takes full advantage. You know, cross field pass to Werner um, from Bruno, who does a great job following that pass and, you know, making a run into the box. Um, and then, you know, just way too easy. Just kind of, you know, he, Bruno was not getting closed down at all. Yeah. He, he was literally wide open. And Werner just had to kind of, you know, pick his head up and play that across. And, uh, yeah, then, you know, he finished it, you know, near post. And just like that, uh, the comeback is, is rendered irrelevant it's it's 3-1 and you know this game and got out of hand in, in a hurry now we've been down before we've been down one two goals even four goals so normally when we go down we're like okay not a big deal but it seemed all but over the way Leipzig were playing they just looked dangerous at every time they had the ball they're playing it seemed like 10 times the speed that we were every person they brought on was even faster than the person they took off it just seemed never ending and chocolate looked like they had no idea what to do with this yeah I mean it was it was it was tough to watch. Yeah, like we said, a huge momentum shift. Timo Werner changed the game, um, and you know took took full advantage of of the opportunities we gave them. And, you know we can't we can't complain about it. When, when you're gonna be that lazy, uh, you know the better teams in this league are gonna punish you. You might be able to get away with that, um, you know against against a lesser side, but uh, you know Leipzig. You know we're, we were ahead of them in the table going into this, but and they haven't yes. had quite the season that they. Uh, they had last year. I think they were like eleven points behind where they were this mm. this point last year. Wow. Um, yeah. So certainly not quite. But you know they're still in the hunt, right? Absolutely. Um, and you know you can't expect to to emerge from a game with a, with a victory when um, you know you give that many talented players, whether it's Werner, whether it's Keita, whoever, that much space. You know when you give the ball away in dangerous situations and when you commit. Um, you know, stupid fouls in the box. So, uh, you know, hats off to Leipzig. This is this is this was deserved. Yeah, and the way that Leipzig was playing, it, it reminded me of the first half against Dortmund. How the team was just blitzing us, and it looked like we didn't know what to do. I was fully expecting another goal to happen. Uh, about eight minutes after the Bruma goal, uh, Leipzig they looked like they were going to really increase their lead. Uh, but then this happened. Ralph Fireman makes two unreal back-to-back saves on the goal line, and then Benjamin Stambouli, of all people, with a goal line clearance, preserved the two-goal lead for Leipzig. That was a crazy play. It just happened all. It was like pinball out there, and Fireman was just everywhere, and, and even even Stambouli there stopping it. I don't know how it didn't how it didn't go in. Yeah, I have no idea how that how that didn't cross cross the line. Um, so many opportunities in that in that sequence, rapid fire to to put that one across. And, uh, you know, luckily for us, it didn't. In We certainly gave them opportunities later in the match. This game um, could have been worse for us. And based yeah, on the performance, yeah. probably should have. Um, even a couple minutes before that, Naldo, don't know what he was doing, just gives the ball away in the box to Timo Werner, who, you know, luckily wasn't <laughs> yeah. able to do anything. But he literally just, like, passed it to him. He probably was um, surprised. Yeah. He's like, oh, what, what is this? Yeah, and then and then on this play, you know, they're kind of running at us down the left side. And, and Naldo and Nastasic... Just 
poor communication between them to kind of figure out where, where they should be. But um, I think it was literally just like a, like a quick side pass and, and somebody gets a shot off. Like just, you know, no one trying to cut off the angles, um, you know, to make passes difficult or at least, you know, get in front of a shot to, to limit an opportunity. And, uh, you know, luckily to escape both of those situations, particularly this one. I mean, obviously more remarkably without uh conceding further goals and, and going even further down. Defensively we're just sixes and sevens all over. It was it was poor, poor defending for by Schalke and a team that's supposed to pride themselves on, on the defensive play. Uh looked nothing like a team that could defend at all. Fortunately for us, there wasn't much to talk about for the rest of the game. Though there was a play, I think it was like the first minute of stoppage time. Uh, I believe the pass was going to it was going wide to Caligiri and the pass went right through his legs and it pretty much summed up uh, how the game went for Royal Blues, just unlucky, no chance whatsoever. They weren't getting any kind of bounce. So I, I know a couple of minutes before that, I think you said Ochipka, same thing happened to him. He just whipped yeah. the ball. And, you know, both, both our players in those positions on opposite sides, usually very sure-footed. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and when, when they're both having those sort of, you know, mental lapses as well, it was, yeah, it was kind of a, kind of a microcosm of the entire game in that respect. Well, that loss three to one, uh, it ended Schalke's 13 game unbeaten run. And, uh, so that would be our first loss since, uh, September to Hoffenheim when there was two nothing in that game. Uh, for Leipzig, this win saw them leapfrog Schalke into second place. Uh, there was a bit of good news after this game. Uh, luckily for us, both Dortmund and Gladbach, uh, they failed to capitalize on Schalke's loss. Uh, so we remain in third place and still ahead of Dortmund. How do you feel about that? That's all that matters, right? Head of Dortmund. Yeah. Um, the one thing I will say really quickly before we kind of get into the, the table and, and move on to kind of the preview is just give a shout out to Piazza. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, for, for, for his work. Uh, I mean, he didn't see a whole lot of him. I don't think we, we got him the ball enough, but um, it, it certainly wasn't, you know, all positive. He had a couple of like weird moments where he got forced off the ball a little bit too easily, in my opinion. But, but he was silky, man. Yeah, he, he showed you some some flashes of, of what the hype is about. He like I mean, yeah, as you just said, He's a silky player, dude. Um, and, and I made this comparison last night, and I'll make it again. And I don't know if it's valid or not. You can tell me. But, you know, I, comparing a player like Piazza and Harit, I kind of look at Harit as more of kind of like, uh, you know, a jerky, fast twitch, like Barry Sanders type player. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is extremely effective, obviously. Harit is, you know, he draws fouls left and right. He's the most foul guy in the, in the freaking exactly, league. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Piazza, um, He's like Gale Sayers. He's, I mean, it looks like he's not really doing anything, but he's just leaving people in his wake. Yeah. He's just gliding around the park and he makes it look really easily, so, uh, really easy. So, um, I'm looking to see, I'm looking forward to seeing more of that. Uh, that was certainly exciting. I, I think he has the potential to be a big contributor for us down the line. And hopefully, uh, I mean, I was glad that Tedesco gave him an opportunity late in this game and hopefully that continues. So Piazza, he, he credits his, uh, his, 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 well, his idol is Ronaldinho, and then a lot of people, even I say, he kind of plays like Kareem Benzema. So he's like a little bit of a mold of both because he has the trickery, but he's also so so smooth on the ball. And you think he's not going that fast, but he goes right by you, and you're like, wait, what just happened? What? And if he yeah, if he gets out there and get confidence, man, he can do some things for us. Him and Harit, and uh, just behind maybe like Bergstaller, we could do some magic with that. And he looks like he's a little bit taller, too. He is. Um, he's, he's deceptively so- tall. Yeah, yeah, I think he's just kind of a little bit elusive in that in that sense. Maybe you don't kind of expect him to be that that fluid and, and maybe that pacey, but he really is. He reminds me the way he he's elusive like that reminds me of the way. Uh, and you may may or may not get his references. Uh, Patrick Sheik, who played for Sampdoria last season, and, and a similar type player, a long, lanky player, but he's just he's just so sweet on the ball and gets gets through guys. And you're like, wait, how did that? How did they get by him? But he just so subtle. 
yeah, and value. to anyone who watches, I, you know, I apologize if we're making too much of this because I mean, obviously, he didn't really he didn't do anything that was you know in, insane or anything or you know really was like you know crazy or, or unbelievable. But um, as somebody who has kind of criticized our offense a lot, um, I was excited to, yeah. to see to see those flashes. I, I think it's 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 promising. And keep in mind, everyone, that uh, uh Piazza hasn't played much. He 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 was injured twice with serious injuries while at Juventus last season and end this season. So, you know, this is his real first chance to like get some game time and he's going to try to take advantage of it. It worked out with Nasasic in the past where, you know, he, he was considered an injury prone guy. He came over to us and then eventually he liked it and wanted to stay here. Maybe we'll get this guy to you know, start playing really well for us. And then he'll decide, you know what? I, I like Schalke. I'm going I'm to stay here. Yeah. You know, my he, he should be, he should be hungry. He should be motivated as well. So I think that, you know, kind of plays into our hand. And even um, more reason yeah. for him to to play for us more often, if not start eventually. He scored in the de- debut, like we said last week, uh, in the friendly. So he's he's hungry, and, and he I think him, like I said, him and Harit, they could they could really do some things for us. We just got to figure out a way to get them all on the pitch at the same time, and obviously not you know lose the playing time of guys like uh, Ivan Konoplyanka, yeah, Alessandro Shov. And going off of that, you know, to his uh, to his benefit and ours, I, I think he's a pretty versatile player. Uh, and you've heard Tedesco speak to that himself personally, um, that he can, you know, play out on the wing, maybe play in more of an attacking midfield position. And right, right. there's even some times in that game where he was more advanced than the strikers and, and you know, making some interesting runs forward. So um, I think his, his, his playing time, his chances of getting those minutes um, will be aided by the fact that he can potentially slot into a couple different positions. Now, the good, the, the good news is that him, both him and Ebola came on in the 55th minute. The unfortunate news was that Evan Konoplyanka didn't come in the match until five minutes left in the game. A guy like him, he's, he needs to come on a lot sooner, especially when, you know, those two goals happened in the 63rd and 65th minute. Uh, you would think the move would have been happening a lot earlier to bring in another forward to try to get back into it. But I don't know. Maybe he's nursing an injury that we don't know about. But it seems the last few games, really, he's not been getting as much pitch time as we're, as we're used to. Yeah, and kind of playing has really impressed me this season. Yeah. Um, I think he's played a lot better this year than he did last year. Or maybe maybe he's had more opportunities, more minutes, and maybe that's why he's... Vines, you don't really think give much opportunity last season. Yeah. And so maybe he's just kind of more in the forefront of my mind because of that. But I, I've been impressed. He's a little one-dimensional in terms of what he does out there. Um, he kind of... The moments when you notice him and you're like, wow, that was dangerous, seems to be kind of the same thing he does every time, which is, I think we talked about this last time, he's kind of like is the opposite side of the field. I and Robin in some sense, we just yeah. kind of inside on, you know, you know but, it's coming, but you can't stop it. Yeah. But he, he's, he's so effective at it that, you know, he, he really is a dangerous player. He opens up things for other, uh, you know, other players, whether it's, you know, a cutback pass, or whatever. Cause you know, he, he, he has the capability to, to, to beat a man and, um, and, uh, force another defender to, you know, maybe get pulled out of position a little bit to, to try to cover it. So, uh, yeah, 82nd minute, I would have liked to see him in this match a little bit earlier as well. It's worth noting that after this game, there was a whole, the whole, all that hubbub about Keita going to Liverpool. But Leipzig came out after the game. They proclaimed that Keita was going to remain with the with, with Leipzig through the summer, ruining Liverpool Liverpool fan dreams uh, at least momentarily. Because uh, yeah, it's just posturing. They're just trying to yeah. force up the bidding price. They, they didn't really care. They, they what are they? They won four three against Man City, and what an epic game that was. Yeah, that was that was a great game. Yeah, that was a, that was an incredible game. It ruined your uh, ukulele playing. You're singing songs, and so I have to go and do <laughs> I, a going. I have, I have a I have a good buddy who's in uh, actually in my, in in my band, um, who, who's a big Liverpool fan, and unfortunately, sort of, kind of like a Dortmund fan secondarily, which is annoying. But um, but you know, primarily a Liverpool <laughs> fan, and I also have a good friend of mine who is uh, a Man City fan, 
Uh, so shout out to Ernie and Tyler, but, uh, and Tyler actually hated soccer before he met me. So unfortunately this is a monster that I partially am responsible for creating. And now he calls um, it football. He doesn't call it soccer anymore. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> so, um, I was, uh, I was playing some, some Liverpool specific player goal scoring chance on my ukulele, um, to, to the enjoyment of Ernie and just kind of to troll Tyler as that game was going on. And it, during one of them, I posted on Twitter, Z uh, Salah scored right in the middle when I was recording uh, one about Bobby Firmino. So um, that was a crazy game. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the, the, the Premier League gets kind of uh, uh, somewhat fairly, I guess, to some extent, criticized for not being as ex exciting and, you know, a lot of kind of defensive physical draws yeah. is kind of the trouble by the Premier League. But this one certainly uh, was the opposite. And I guess you should expect that when it's when it's Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola. Yeah, I was going to say two, two very non-Premier League um, managers there. Yeah, two. I mean, two great offensive minds, and and Jurgen yeah, Klopp, an yeah. offensive mind who doesn't know how to play defense to some extent, just <laughs> doesn't care about it. Yeah, he he puts heavy brick, metal, rock and roll. Yeah, he puts the brick on the pedal and he doesn't take it off. Um, which I think is probably hurting that. This is not a Liverpool podcast, never mind. But um, yeah, great game. <laughs> I don't even know where we were. I don't either. So, Schalke fans, what did you make about the match against RB Leipzig? Tell us about it it's on Twitter. <laughs> All right. Well, going from the RB Leipzig match, let's go to something hopefully a little bit more positive. Um, we play Hanover this weekend. Uh, the first go around, Hanover, they beat us one nothing thanks to a second half substitute, Jonathan. So, but since then, Schalke, they, they've rocketed up the table. They currently they're, they're in third, but they finished the Henrunda in second. Hanover on the mean, on the, on the flip side, they had an up and down Henrunda. They did win this past weekend though, 3-2 over Mainz and currently sit in 10th place. How do you see this one shaping up? Well, first of all, certainly not a bad um, season for Hanover so far. Their first season no, back no. since since getting promoted, so they're they're sitting squarely. If they if, they, if the season ended today, they would be ecstatic about being tenth place because yeah, they're, they, they're they're pretty much smack dab in the middle of things. Um, I, I see this one being kind of a high scoring affair, personally. Um, you know, I think it's going to be kind of the opposite of what the first match was earlier in the year when I think both of these teams were a little bit stingier defensively yeah. and were kind of struggling to find uh, maybe some offensive form, but uh, that has not been the case for uh, Hanover recently. I, you know, I think you, three or three or four goals scored, I think um, from them in, in, in recent matches. Um, uh, there was that Leverkusen game. I think that was a four, four draw. Yeah. It was a three. Um, uh, and I'm trying to pull up the schedule here to see, but anyway, they, they've they've certainly had goals in them recently, and they've also been conceding goals as well, um, just like Schalke. So I, if that continues, and I and I expect it to, um, I, I do see this one being a high scoring affair, and hopefully, hopefully, a good good watch from the uh, from the neutral perspective. Yeah, uh, it seems that both the teams are similar in that respect that they have been scoring a lot, but they've been giving up way too many goals. Uh, defense has not been uh, at their finest um, by, by a long shot. And, you know, that, I think the 3-2 scoreline was pretty indicative of how I think this game will go because both teams, they just can't stop the goals from going in. Um, I think Schalke do play better at home than they do on the road. So, fortunately, this game is at home because the first leg, first game, first leg, first game was uh, in Hanover. I'm kind of seeing that it's going to be, I'm kind of feeling it's going to be a 3-2 game. We're going to stick away from our normal predictions, which is usually like a one nothing or 2 nothing game. But I, I, I do feel Hanover are going to score in this game. It just, I, there's nothing in me right now that, that says Schalke can stop people from scoring other than Cologne. 
yeah, I don't have a lot of confidence in that either. And, and, and I'm hoping we find a way to turn things around offensively as yeah. well and, and come up with some some goals from open play. And, and maybe the uh, maybe we'll see Mbolo get a start. Maybe we'll see Toyker get his get his first opportunity. Um, I wasn't surprised. Not to maybe see we'll see Goretzka. That would be nice. That would be nice. I mean, we. I mean. Yeah, there was all these rumors about Keita going to Liverpool and we're thinking, oh, maybe he's not going to play. And it turns out it was Goretzka who didn't play. Uh, the, you know, our guy who was in that yeah, kind of situation. Yeah. Wasn't even on the so, bench. Yeah, you, I mean, regardless of whether, whether or not he goes, um, we need him to help us qualify for the Champions League. So uh, the sooner he gets back into the lineup, uh, the better for sure. And this this Hanover game is the first and what I think is a very important stretch. We talked about this on the last uh, last pod. Uh, yeah, you know, the, the first... Uh, five games here. Uh, the bookends of of those first five matches are, are Leipzig and, and, and Bayern Munich, but that middle three, um, the filling, if you will, are three teams that I think are are winnable games for us. Be you know Hanover in tenth, who's you know not not bad, but you know mid table side, and, and then Stuttgart down in thirteenth, and Inverter Bremen down in sixteenth, and uh, you know Leipzig. Obviously, we ended up losing, which was unfortunate, and uh, you certainly wouldn't bet on us being able to beat Bayern, and so in, in that regard. I think it's very important that we win, you know, at least two of these, hopefully pick up, you know, tar- ideally, you know, seven or nine points from these three matches. Cause if we, if we drop any sort of significant number of points from these three and then, you know, we ultimately go on to lose to Bayern or something, which, you know, probably seems likely, um, we could see ourselves well outside of the European yeah. places, just five games into the Rook Runda here. So, um, yeah, this is a close stretch. Hopefully we, we bounce back quickly and, uh, you know, erase the damage done by that that Leipzig defeat. And we, we we brought this up last week that you know we could suffer a loss to Leipzig as long as we did in this three game stretch we we got seven to nine points. Uh, and if you did that and you go into you go into the matchup against Bayern, losing to them wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Now if, well, like you just said, if we go in there with only you know two or three points going into Bayern, we could see ourselves easily in tenth or eleventh place and uh, we may see the, the Euro, the European spots, you know, start to go away from us, but hopefully that's not the case. Uh, this is a, that's a great opportunity for us to get some points. They're, they're I mean, yeah, very so winnable we, games. I mean, we, we talked about this previously as well. Um, Bayern is obviously 13 points clear. They're, they're looking like they're well on the way to their title, but Leipzig is in second at 31 and Hanover, our opponent, down in 10th place, 26. Five points. There's five points between second and tenth place. That's what you, you can't know, afford to lose. Yeah, you know we're in third place right now, and we, you know we started the Rook in second place. We didn't take that much of a tumble, but this is not locked up by any stretch of the imagination. This is not a secure position for us to be in. Obviously, you know I'd rather be where we are now than a little bit lower down. But this is not safe. We haven't, you know, nothing is guaranteed here. Everyone's talking about how, um, you know, you know maybe Goretzka will stay because we're going to qualify for the Champions League. Maybe. I mean that that's a big if. I mean, yeah. So this this is a clutch stretch of games for us. I think it's very important that we, uh, you know, have, make a good account of ourselves and hopefully come away with um, a few positive results. Because you know, I mean, anything can happen in the Bayern game, but the way they've been playing, I think it's like Heinkes has won what like ten of eleven since he took over. Yeah. I mean, they're I mean they're playing out of their skin. So, I, you know, I've been saying that. Um, so Tedesco, he did he did say quote this week or maybe it was the week before, and and I agree with him. But what he said and what his actions are didn't seem to line up. Anyway, he's saying that you know uh, I think a reporter asked him 
about the Champions League aspirations uh, for the team for the end of the season. He goes, "Yeah, that would be great, but that's not how we can look at it because we look at it like that. We're gonna we're gonna drop points all you know for the rest of the season. We need to look at it each game, take each game seriously, and just focus on that. Don't worry about anything else. Just the game, the game that's ahead of you, and that's the way you should approach it. But it yeah, just that's seems the way they're playing. playing. It's not you, you can't take this for granted. These these matches, even though I did say you know they are against opponents that these should be winnable matches for us. You can't take them for granted. You need to you need to come out there. And you need to you need to get your put in a shift and get get some work done. So um, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing Schalke hopefully accomplish that. Well, uh, so I get my prediction. My prediction is three two for Schalke. What's your prediction for that game? Yeah, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to say three two as well. I'm not going to go with my standard <laughs> prediction of two nil. Uh, that streak's going to come to an end here. Um, yeah, hopefully it's three nil and not three two. Yeah, right. But uh, yeah, I do think there's going to be some goals in this one, and uh, hopefully it's a good one to watch. You should all tune in. Yeah, Schalke fans, uh, what did you make of our predictions, and what are your predictions for the Hanover match? Tell us at SO4 underscore podcast on Twitter. Uh, I think with that, we can wrap it up. Keep tuning in each week as we will bring you the latest from the Royal Blues. We want to thank Schalke, Fox Soccer, Opta Franz, and the Bundesliga for providing us tidbits for our podcast today. If there are any topics you would like us to discuss, send us a tweet at SO4 underscore podcast. Stay tuned to next week's episode where we'll recap their Hanover match and we'll give our predictions for Stuttgart and their newly, assi- newly signed player, uh, Mario Gomez. Jack, where can our followers find you? J.M. Mangan on Twitter. That's J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N. Uh, yeah, feel free to connect with me there. Send uh, Richard or I questions on our personal accounts or, you know, tweet the, uh, the Schalke pod handle if you have anything that you want us to discuss or, you know, get our, get our take on here on the podcast. We're happy to field those. And, uh, you know, thanks for listening. If you can hear me, it means Richard hit the record button this time. <laughs> I, and that I did. I've checked it 20 times out of uh, nervousness <laughs> during this podcast. There you go. Um, I'm going to actually give a plug out to something, an article I wrote this week uh, for Italian Football Daily. They asked me to talk comment on uh, Piazza moving going to Schalke. So I wrote a nice little article about Piazza going to Schalke and, and the benefits for, you know, both his parent club, Juventus, and for us. Uh, so give that a read uh, if you get a chance. Once again, I'm your host, Richard Carmen, and you can find me on Twitter as well at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Until the next pod comes, my friends, stay ready, and we'll be with you soon. Yeah.